Welcome to the first episode of SBME Interfaces. Our goal with this show is to introduce you to the people that interface with biomedical engineering, from students and faculty to staff and industry, and everyone in between. BME is a broad field that encompasses so many different perspectives, journeys, skill sets, and backgrounds, and we're excited to share them all with you. So today we're interfacing with Peter Zanstra, uh, who has a laundry list of uh, responsibilities from director of SPME to Michael Smith Labs. He's an entrepreneur, he's a scientist, he's a husband, he's a father. He's an enthusiast of outdoors, a former rower, maybe still a rower, builder of ecosystems. And uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing Peter for uh, 20 years, indirectly and directly. So we're very excited to have you here, Peter, as our first ever guest for at SPME Interfaces, we're calling it. Hope you as the <laughs> big boss <laughs> enjoy that name. Fantastic. Happy to be here. So um, now I know you asked us not to make a big deal out of this, so I'm going to make a small deal out of it. I think we should open with congratulating you on your recent induction into the Canadian Academy of Health Sciences. Um, so just a quick thing, how did that feel? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, well, it's always an honor to be recognized by your peers, uh, and, uh, and I'm very appreciative of the opportunity to represent I think, I think for me, what was really special about what is really special about it is that it, it, it signifies how engineers and bioengineers are having an impact on health sciences at the highest levels. And, uh, and that's important because that's really what we're trying to do here in BME is, is start to uh, allow biomedical engineers and bioengineers to both drive the questions and the solutions that are important for transforming health. Great, and uh, it, this will this this recognition is timely, but also, as you mentioned, it, it'll be a big impact on the ecosystem. So, Peter, something a bit lighter. What led you from McGill to UBC to MIT and then to UFT to your first academic appointment? Yeah, so I mean, a couple of different things. The, the, at McGill, I was in chemical engineering. I had the opportunity to, um, to take a course in, in biotechnology, and that really opened the eyes, my eyes to what engineers could do in the bio space. Um, uh, when I left McGill, I was quite involved in rowing, as you brought up at the beginning. Uh, so I wanted to go to a place both where I could get a, a good PhD and, uh, and do rowing. And, and the two places I found uh, that, that had that were, uh, were Oxford and, uh, and the University of British Columbia, where, uh, you know, which is close to the National Team Training Center for Rowing Canada. Um, uh, in the end, uh, science won out, uh, you know, the opportunity to work with Jamie Perret and Connie Eves on a project to learn to grow stem cells in, in combination with, you know, the wonderful environment we have here in British Columbia for outdoor sports and activities um, made it a showstopper. So, so that brought me to British Columbia. Um, and then, uh, and then once, once you get into bioengineering, um, it's nice to have an opportunity to go and, uh, and see uh, Boston and Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where, where I did my postdoc, and I'm really thankful for that time. And, 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 you know, the context and the opportunities that I built there benefit me to this day, and I think are an important aspect of, of 
of the path that I've been able to, to forge ahead. So a, a number of different decisions along the way, but often driven by, um, you know, both a combination of, of how I wanted to live my life, but also how I think um, um, a leadership in, in bioengineering could really uh, be forged. Is it true that some of your rowing teammates made the Olympics? Yes, yes. I, 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 uh, I was not one of them, <laughs> but I was, I was, I was, I had, I rode with some amazing um, and really large individuals. Um, I, I, I wasn't able to keep up. Uh, eventually, eventually, actually, I, I, I was rowing so much that I, I, I broke my ribs from pulling. Um, and, and wow. so my, my bone structure couldn't keep up with the forces that we're putting on it. So, so that's what I knew that wasn't for me. Does that mean like no regrets then choosing academia over being in the water? Um, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, rowing is a great pastime and, uh, and one that I still try to do every once in a while, but, um, but, you know, um, the, I think academia and in fact, science and the, the, the ability to work with students and discover new things is really what keeps me passionate. Great. Cool. Um, out of curiosity, you like, what strategies do you use to balance like that kind of lifestyle? Like, obviously you like being outdoors. You, you, you like to row all that kind of stuff. Like do you still get the chance to do rowing while doing all of these other things that you have on your plate? It, it's hard. It's hard. But, but I, but I mean, for me, if I don't make time for that, um, I, I, I actually can't really make it through the day. Um, you know, COVID has been interesting in that um, it means that we can uh, get up early and do something uh, early in the morning and then be back at our desks by eight or nine o'clock quite easily. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of it's also recognizing uh, what each of us need individually to be able to contribute uh, more broadly to the activities we're in. And, and that's something that's always been um, part of my sanity, I guess, or, or, you know, <laughs> mental health, I would say. Yeah. Would you pick tennis or rowing, Peter, if you had to pick one? Gosh, good question. Um, you know, they, they provide different things. Tennis, tennis is wonderful, but so frustrating. It's like golf, right? You know, you never can do it right. <laughs> There's always another way to fail. Whereas rowing is more um, therapeutic, I would say. That's good. So, Peter, you've you've lived in a number of countries, and how does that how's that shaped you professionally? Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, I've I've, I've been really lucky um, to live uh, growing up in in South America, in Colombia, and in, in Asia, and the Philippines, um, and and um, to me. Um, I guess it's shaped me in a couple of different ways. One is it's, it's uh, I've always been very inspired, uh, in fact, by my, by my father's work, which was in agriculture development, where he made significant efforts to improve the lives of, of, of uh, small farmers. And, and when you see the types of impact that science and those efforts can have, um, uh, it's it's quite humbling, you know, what we're trying to do sometimes in, in biomedical engineering, and and I think seeing how broad benefit um, 
uh, technologies and efforts can be to individuals in a variety of different circumstances and backgrounds has always been one motivating aspect. Another, another important aspect of, of moving around like that is um, it really brings out the strength in family, right? When you move around a lot, your, your core is who moves with you often. And, uh, and I think that's, that's been also something that um, has been, you know, continues to be very important to me. That's great. Do you think that that speaks to um, maybe your choice to, to enter the, the administrative domain in academia as well? Like all of that world, world traveling experience? Um, I, I, you know, I, I haven't related those two in my head. I think, I think for me, um, uh, part of why I'm motivated, you know, the, the opportunity we have with the School of BME is really uh, how often can you um, start something greenfield from the ground up and, and, and take advantage of and, and learn from all the experiences that others have had over the last 15 or 20 years um, in a place that has such wonderful resources and such wonderful communities such as UBC. Um, so so what, what really motivated me and continues to motivate me is, is the, the type of impact that, that we can have um, on the Canadian ecosystem and on internet and really internationally. Um, and, and in order to do that, um, you know, you have to step up and, 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 and that really is kind of what that represents it. You know, it's, it's not, um, for me, as, as Priam knows more than anybody, I have uh, both strengths and weaknesses in terms of my administrative leadership. But um, at the end of the day, um, it's really the passion of what we can collectively do that, that motivates me the most. So Peter, picking on this, this and this question has always been, when was that point that triggered you? Like, mm, I'm going to pursue more administrative because I mean, we, I take someone like Santa Ono. I mean, there was a transition. He's been administrative. You see this with a lot of people that become deans. And where was that point where in Toronto, you're like, okay, there's a time for me and I want to, because it's a very different mindset than being a pure researcher or researcher entrepreneur that you have been to this point and continue to be. But now you've added this layer on yourself. Yeah, I think, I think it really comes back to how do you scale your activities? So, um, you know, Payam, as you know, um, there was a significant scaling in activities through the Medicine by Design program that, um, that you know, we helped launch at the University of Toronto. And, and when you see the ability to take what you can do individually in your own uh, activities and multiply that across many different people and, and a broader impact, um, it's pretty exciting. And, and I think, I think that, that in some ways is what motivates me about BME is how can we um, take the goals and the, and the vision that we have and, and, and scale it across not one individual, but a whole organization. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Peter, one other thing to touch upon and I'll hand it to Miguel is you talked about Greenfield and startup and this comes up a lot in SPME. So you've been part of a couple and newest one is Notch Therapeutics. Uh, for the layperson out there, 
quickly, what's it about and what excites you about it? Yeah, Notch is Notch is fantastically exciting. So, so it's a it's a, a, a company that was co-founded by uh, myself, Shreya Shukla, and Juan Carlos Zuniga Fluker, and and the vision of Notch is uh, to make uh, T cells available for therapeutics uh, uh, and open them up in a way that um, makes them as accessible as possible. So we're, we're engineering T cells from pluripotent stem cells uh, for cancer and potentially other therapeutics. Um, and it's been, it's been fantastic to see, um, you know, Notch has grown over the last six to eight months now to a, a company with about 30 people centered in Vancouver and, and, and Toronto. Um, and, uh, and I've really learned a lot, um, you know, participating in this process and seeing it grow um, and, and, uh, and helping, you know, the team there reach their goals. So um, early days for Notch, but, uh, but, but we're excited to see what goes. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, why the name Notch? That's an interesting name. Yeah, so, so Notch uh, is the major uh, signaling pathway that is important for T cell development from blood cells. So, uh, um, uh, and you know, it's also, we like to think we're a notch above, so. <laughs> I like that, that's good. It's funny, for me, um, uh, leadership has always been a really important, um, almost school of study. Uh, and um, one of the things I've noticed through academia is this isn't something that is typically taught. To, to like when you become a PI or when you, for instance, start something like the FBME or even Notch Therapeutics. When it comes to your own leadership, do you have mentors or, or people that you follow, examples that you follow? Absolutely. And, and, and you know, I think, I think having mentors and, and models that, that, that um, one uses is, is so important. Um, but even then, I think, um, you know, I think I'm learning more and more that uh, leadership is an active process. It's not a passive process. There are ways of doing things. Um, you know, there's experimentation in it, what works, what doesn't. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, I've benefited from a, a huge number of scientific uh, um, and, and other leaders over the years that uh, I continue to model my activities after. Um, you know, um, uh, it wouldn't really be fair to, to name them because uh, I would always leave someone out that's really important. But but there are, um, you know, in Toronto and in Boston and in Vancouver, there are there are important people who uh, who I admire and I continue to look up to in terms of how how to uh, interact under various situations. I'm, so I'm not as humble as you. So I'll name part of one of our questions. So. Um, <laughs> How does it feel to interact with I mean, you have your former PhD supervisors, Jamie Perret and Connie yeah. Eves, uh, yeah. global leaders in their field. We have Douglas Laufenberger on our uh, uh, leadership external committee. Fun fact, I use a textbook from him on a course that you taught us yeah. in undergrad. And I mean, there's people like Michael Sefton and others, and you've in some cases been their leader in some capacity. How does that feel? And you're sort of more junior in age than them. So how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, from my perspective, I think what makes those individuals and, and others like Janet Rassant um, so special is um, they 
they have a vision of what they want to accomplish, but don't have an ego. Um, and, and, you know, they have, that's not really fair. They clearly have an ego, but, um, but that the, they, this, they have an overall um, uh, understanding of how we want to reach the goals we want to reach and are supportive to uh, having movement towards those goals. So working, you know, working with uh, Mike Sefton, working with others in there, um, um, I think everyone learns from each other and, and, and that, that, that kind of environment of mutual respect, I think is something that really comes out when I think of those individuals. Um, and that continues to this day. So it's, it's, it isn't, I, you know, I think, I think I, from my perspective, and I wouldn't speak for them, but, um, you know, we're colleagues and, and, and we respect each other and work together to reach common goals um, and understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and, and move to support each other through those, through that understanding. Which Sure. Now, all these, these, these people that you mentioned, you know, that you've worked with before and you now you're sort of in a leadership role with them. Um, I noticed that, that like not all of them are entrepreneurs, right? Um, and this is something that you, you actively chose and it is a scary choice to make <laughs> to become an entrepreneur. Um, what was it that they kind of put you on that path? Yeah, I mean, in some ways it's, it's, it's kind of um, entrepreneurship is, is, a, um, is, is the process of translating discoveries to impact. And, and, and you know, it's one way to do that. Um, what, I, you know, what I think is really exciting about it is it's, it's sort of part of the engineering psyche too. We want to think about how the discoveries we make um, have practical uh, applications in society, um, and and what you know that's the way that that society that's one of the ways that society is set up to receive these these impacts. Um, so that's one thing that motivates me. I think I think also um, you know we've been very lucky to benefit from significant um, investment and support from the government, and I think. I think thinking about how that investment translates into things that are important for Canadians, better healthcare, more jobs, those kind of things, uh, better training opportunities, uh, better educational opportunities, is all things that, that are, that are um, enabled through entrepreneurship and translation. So, uh, so I, think it, I think it's an important part of, of what I do. And it's fun, you know, you meet entirely different people, you get in a different environment from from the academic environment, um, uh, and I learn a lot. So I think I think you know, as, as long as I keep learning, then uh, there's always something something exciting to. This is another one of those instances of uh, of convergence uh, that we've we've noticed through throughout everything that you do. Um, uh, one person described you as having a knack for connecting dots that are seemingly very disconnected or very disparate. Um, uh, yeah, it's the. It's, where does that mindset come from? Is that strictly like an engineering thing? I don't know. It's a good question. I think, I think you know, I think what it, one thing that attracts people to BME and, and certainly attracted me um, is you, you get many different perspectives. So, you know, you have someone that um, learned how to um, I don't know, count, uh, calculate the number of distillation columns in a, in a reactor at, in their undergrad chemical engineer, thinking about 
um, how feedback control might affect stem cell growth. So, you know, di being able to have different experiences and different backgrounds and, and kind of the diversity of those experiences um, really allows you to bring new ideas to things. And that's something that we're, you know, I think is really important for what we're trying to do in BME is, is, is bring people together who have different knowledge bases and, and take, uh, uh, create opportunities for that knowledge to synergize with each other to create new discoveries and, and bring those forward. Peter, as you laid the path for SBME and it's going for, what do you hope to, or what do you foresee the future of medicine to be? And I'm looking for a realistic response in terms of yeah. maybe we can even focus on in the cell therapy stem cell area that's your 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 bread and butter. And what do we, what does that look like in 10, 15, 20 years? Am I going to go to the clinic and get injected by cells by then? Uh, I know we get injected by certain things, but how's that look like? Yeah. So, so what I see, and this is true for, um, as true for cell therapy as molecular therapy, and even even the design of devices. So, so because we have a much deeper understanding of of the molecular and 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 kind of structural underpinnings of biological systems, now for the first time we can start to pivot from a data gathering and observation point to a design and synthesis point. So how do we take that, that understanding and start to design therapies that are specifically um, uh, constructed to target certain clinical needs? So in the cell therapy space, you know, we're designing new cells that have specific receptors on their surface that target certain diseases but also may have other properties, you know, can stop proliferating when they secrete too many cytokines or die when they become unsafe. So, so this idea that, that is very ingrained in, in our biomedical engineering program, which is, which is the kind of, you know, understand, predict, design cycle, can now be applied to new therapies. Um, and, and, and I think that's really exciting. And, and you, you, we've, we've seen that already in biomedical engineer from the very beginning with the design of, of new devices, but now we, I think we can extend that, um, that philosophy, um, much more broadly to human interfacing devices, to new types of molecules and to new types of cells and tissues. Um, so I think, I think it's pretty exciting where we're going. Um, you know, the other thing that's happening is, is we're able to make more and more intelligent predictions from our data. And so um, uh, whether it's uh, sensors that allow us to make predictions about how we might prevent disease from happening or prevent certain issues from happening uh, with respect to accidents and injuries, um, I think we're going to make a lot of progress there too. So, so um, you know, it's an exciting place to be. And, and, and the only thing we're missing is, is is more people to come up with new ideas. Um, uh, so, uh, so we're excited for people to join us. So before I pass it on to Miguel to close off, close us off, we have a fun nugget, and I wanted to know if this is true. Is it true when you moved to U of T and you were asked to your office paint color, you said go for it, and it ended up being flamingo pink? And how did that how did that pan out? It did. It did. Yes, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it turns out that 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 paint was on sale. So, 
<laughs> you know, I, I didn't really mind it, but actually it was funny because Nancy was helping me move in and it was, it was the snowstorm of 1998, I think, where the, where the army came into Toronto and we were carrying our, our computer, the computer up the steps in the old building, having to shovel the snow along the way. So uh, yeah, the, the office didn't stay pink. I, I didn't really mind it, but, uh, but uh, my partner didn't think it was a good good way to to, to set up shop, so we repainted it. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, okay, so last but not least, then um, what is uh, what do you have going on right now that you want everybody to know about? Something that you're really excited about? Um, maybe you can get people involved in. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot going on. I guess I guess um, you know at at the school. Um, we're we're building a new building, and uh, and this building um, really represents a, a, an outstanding opportunity for us to make a place for the vision uh, of the school, where um, you know entrepreneurs and and uh, fundamental teaching labs and research labs and core facilities and and spaces for interaction with the ecosystem around Vancouver in, in, in biotech and biomedical engineering can interact with each other. So, so you know, uh, I think it's going to have a huge impact and it's something that we're working very hard towards over the next uh, three or four years. Um, you know, uh, at a more specific level in the lab, um, uh, there's all kinds of exciting things going on uh, that, are, that are really thinking about how we can use our T-cell uh, development platform and our early uh, 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 tissue modeling systems to understand and implement new uh, biotechnologies better. So um, things like tissue patterning and blood cell emergence are really top of mind there. Perfect. Thank you, Peter, for interfacing with us. Uh, it was a pleasure having you as our first guest and being very candid. And um, wish you all the best and uh, I'm sure we'll see you again. <laughs> so, <laughs> like in an hour. Thank you very Thank much. Thanks. Real everyone. pleasure.